This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this reminder this morning that to be still and know that you are God. And now this morning, Lord, as we, as we just take this little time now, we pray that you would help us to still all the thoughts that would distract us, the cares that would consume us and draw us away from you, Lord, and the deceitfulness of anything that tells us that there's somewhere else that we should be or that we should be thinking about this morning, other than the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in your precious name. Amen. You turn, please, in your Bibles to Ruth. Ruth will continue in following this wonderful history that God has given to us in Ruth chapter 2, and uh, beginning in verse 5, as we continue here, and uh, where it says, Ruth chapter 2, verse 5. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It's the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even and from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field. Neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have not I charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? When thou art athirst, go unto the vessels. Drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou takest knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Boaz answered and said unto her, If hath been fully showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. 
The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast hast comforted me. Thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, eat of the bread, dip thy morsel of vinegar. She sat down beside the reapers. He reached her parched corn and did eat and was sufficed and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young man, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about a ephah of barley. So in our last study, what's happened is that we followed the hearts of these people. We followed the heart of Boaz as he listened intently to this report we just read here that his foreman gave him about Ruth, who... To Boaz, he just saw a new person in his field and wanted to know who she was. But we saw Boaz as he he took the information about Ruth and he went point by point in his mind and he heard, that's a Moabitish damsel, point one. Then he heard, she's come back with Naomi, point two. And then he heard, she's come out of the country of Moab, point three. And at this point, Boaz hears these words in verse six and he, he especially, he's fixated on the part, she came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And so with those words, Boaz has immediately understood that Ruth has made a choice, that when she was in the land of Moab, there was a choice that confronted her, was right in front of her. And when she was in the land of Moab, he's come to understand she has made a decision. And those are the two points that stand out in the mind of Boaz more than anything else. Boaz has, has just fixed on the fact that this Moabitish woman has come back with Naomi out of the land of Moab, and so I know that she's made a choice. I know that she's made a decision. And that was all that mattered to Boaz about Ruth. It was the choice. It was the decision. And he's fixated on these two points. And he saw clearly that when she was in the land of Moab, when her husband died, when Ruth's husband died, Ruth was confronted with a choice. She could return to her family. She could return to her people. She could stay in her land of Moab, or she can go back with Naomi. And she was confronted with this, and Boaz, he feels this choice. He feels this choice that confronted her when her husband died. And Boaz knew that Ruth couldn't be neutral on this. There's no neutrality here. Ruth could not stand still when her husband died. She would either go with Naomi or she'd not go with Naomi. And so Boaz knew that Ruth had to go one way or the other way. She couldn't stand still. She had to choose one of the two ways. So he feels this choice that's confronted her and the decision that she made it determined the destiny of her life. See, in seeing the choice that confronted her, Ruth had to make this decision. Either she was going to go back with Naomi or she wasn't going to. She was going to either identify with Naomi or not identify. So Boaz didn't just look at Ruth and say, well, you know, that choice that confronted Ruth, that was something that um, she made and it really doesn't make any difference. Not at all. See, because when he looked at that, he realized this was a life decision. 
It was going to determine her destiny. Same with us. When we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a life decision to make. We had a life decision to make. Go with him or don't go with him. And each Israelite had to make that decision. That's why Boaz, when he looked at Ruth, he said, well, she was a Moabite, so, you know, of course she has to make that decision. But for me, I'm born an Israelite, I'm born Jewish, so I don't have to make a decision. No, he understood that's not the case at all because he remembered, Boaz remembered what Moses said to the Jewish people in Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 and 19, when Moses said, see, speaking on God's behalf, God said, see, I have set before thee this day life and death, life and good, death and evil, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. That was a choice that God had set before the Jewish people, before the Israelites. And Boaz remembered that. Boaz remembered that when the Joshua put that same choice out to the Jewish people as well, he threw down the gauntlet before each individual in Israel. Joshua says in Joshua 24, verse 15, choose you, individual, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And God told Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah, you tell the Jewish people that each person has to make a choice. So Jeremiah was faithful to that charge. And so he said in Jeremiah 21.8, when he said, God told me this, unto this people thou shalt say, thus saith the Lord, behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. Just that simple. A way of life and a way of death. And Boaz understood this truth, and it was expressed, you know, as a poem, it goes like this. To every man, there opens a way and ways, and the high soul treads the highway, and the low soul gropes the low. And in between, on the misty flats, the rest drift to and fro. But to every man... There opens a highway and a low, and every man decides the way his soul should go. And that's the way it was for Ruth, and she knew that. And Boaz knew that. When her husband died, he knew that the one way to Israel opened up to Ruth. But there were many ways that she could have gone back to Moab. She was actually already there, and Boaz knew that Ruth had decided to take that one highway back to Israel for her soul rather than to go the many low ways back to Moab. He knew it would have been so much easier for Ruth. All she had to do was just go with the crowd. I mean, after all, she was a Moabite, and she had a Moabite sister-in-law, Orpah, who was in the same situation as her, and she could hear Orpah saying, come on, Ruth, come on, let's go back together. Let's go back to where we came from. See, the easy way for Ruth was just to go with, with Orpah. Ruth, she was already there. She, she, it was easy for her to turn and go with Orpah. I mean, all of her family, all of Ruth's family would have welcomed her with open arms. It was easy for her to go with the crowd. It was easy for her just to drift with the flow. See, for Ruth to go back with Orpah involved really no strong personal decision for Ruth. All she had to do was just follow Orpah's lead. Ruth, had, all she had to do was just just fall into the arms of her family, her Moabite family. 
All she had to do was listen to Naomi, her mother-in-law, who was telling her, go back, don't come with me. And in, in Ruth 1.8, Naomi said unto her, unto her two daughters-in-law, go, return each of you to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you. In other words, get off my back. <laughs> As you've dealt with the dead and with me. So all Ruth had to do to go back to Moab is just listen to everybody. It would have been so much easier for Ruth. All Ruth had to do is just let the wind carry her back like the others. You know, all she had to do is just act like some wood shaving and get blown down the road back to Moab. But if she had done that, she would have not have thought for herself. See, all she had to do to go back is don't think for herself. All she had to do was to think that, well, if, most, if all the people are going back to Moab, there can't be anything wrong with Moab. Look at all the people there. All she has to do is just make no decision, just float. Float down the road to Moab. Plenty of company down that road. No troubles down that road. See, when Ruth made her decision to go to, back to Israel, when she made that decision, she was alone. I mean, apart from Naomi, who was questionable company, but, but she was alone, and she had a plenty of problems. And that aloneness was one of the, the biggest problems that she had. Because, I mean, you know, Naomi, she's in a state of depression. But what we're going to see here is that all of her troubles and that aloneness were only temporary because God rewards those who choose him. And God's about to reward Ruth for choosing him. That's what we're about to see here, the rewards of faithfulness. All those troubles that Ruth had, they were only temporary because God's going to reward her. And so when Boaz hears from his foreman this report, he says, he says, I see a soul. I see a soul that has chosen her way to God's people. I see a soul that has fought her way against the crowd to go to God's people. I see a soul that has resisted the pressure from the crowd. She's fought her way upstream to get to, upstream to, get to God. I see that. And Boaz sees a soul who's made a decisive decision, no, to her own home, no to her people, no to her country, and yes to God. And he sees all this. You know, there was a day when the Lord Jesus Christ, he finds himself, he's standing in front of a great crowd of people. And, he, and so he decides to address the crowd, but really he's addressing each individual in the crowd. And he's talking to them about a choice that they all had to be made, a choice that they were confronted with, a decision they had to make. And he was telling them, this decision is going to determine your destiny and your destiny, the destiny of each individual soul. And he put it this way when in, in John 7, 13 through 14, 14, when he said, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Few there be that find it. See, when he said, enter ye in, those were the first words the Lord Jesus Christ says to this crowd. He says, enter ye in. Enter ye in involves a decision. See, it was an enter ye, and he's talking about two ways. He's talking about two gates. He said there's a straight gate. It's difficult to get through that gate, and you're going to have to fight your way in there. 
And on the other hand, there's a very wide gate. There's a very broad way. It's easy to go down that one. When he said, enter ye in at the narrow gate, it was because it was hard. And, 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 and when he says Broadway, it's not hard. See, a person has to enter in the narrow gate. He's got to make a decision. He's got to fight. It's, it's hard to get through that. Because, uh, uh, but for a person to go into the Broadway, he doesn't have to do anything. He's already on it. He's already there. He's already there. A person is already on the Broadway to hell. A person has to do nothing to stay on that broad way and to end in hell. He's already there. Just continue. Just go with the flow. Just go down the road. That's the way to hell. But he says, stop. You enter in. At the, enter in. Don't go with the crowd. Stand against the flow. Go to the straight gate. Those are the next words. He calls it a straight gate. Straight because a person will not feel so much at home through that gate. Narrow, because it's, because it's lonely when it's narrow. See, wide is the gate, broad is the way. Those were his words to the crowd when he was saying, that gate is so wide, that way is so, that, 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 that way is so wide there that any lifestyle is accepted on that way. It's a wide gate. It's a broad way. There's going to be no criticism. There's going to be no disapproval. There's going to be no one saying, that's sin. There's going to be no one saying, you're a sinner. No, it's, a, it's, just, it's just one problem. Just one problem. He said, that's a way that leadeth to destruction. It leadeth to destruction. That wide gate, that broad way leads to the destruction of hell, and that destruction comes as a shock. It's a shock. The shock of waking up after death to face judgment and saying in shock, but they told me in school and they told me on PBS and they told me on the Discovery Channel that I evolved from nothing and after death, I was just gonna go back to nothing where I came from. I died, I cannot now believe that I'm standing here in judgment, I'm shocked. When the Lord said that the wide gate and the broad way leads to destruction, he meant to the shock of destruction. And then the Lord said about the wide gate and the broad way, many there be, many there be which go in thereat. See, the Lord said, many there be which go in thereat. He meant that if a person goes down that broad way, he'll not be alone. He won't be alone. There'll be many going down that way with him. See, that that, 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 and that, that turns, what he's saying here, that really turns into a warning. He's really giving a warning. Don't be deceived. Don't think that all is okay because there are many. You know, there were many people on those cattle cars to Auschwitz. Nobody was alone on those cattle cars to Auschwitz. They weren't alone. They were heading for destruction. They were going to destruction. There were many, there were, there were to get off of that cattle car, to go escape, you'd be alone. If you did that, there were many people in the Warsaw ghetto during World War II when my friend Devorah, who was 13 years old, and she decided one night alone to go over the wall and risk her life. And she's alive today. She's alive today in, in Los Angeles in the valley because she made that decision to go alone. And so the Lord wanted there to be no misunderstanding that the way to the heaven to, to heaven was. Be, was going to be difficult, so he says, straight is the gate, narrows the way. 
So there's be no misunderstanding. Heaven's not a popular way. You won't find a great crowd on that road. It's a narrow way. To live for God involves a life that is separated from this world. See, the world looks at a Christian and, and says, your life, that's narrow. That's too many restrictions. See, the most narrow statement that the Lord Jesus Christ made was when he said in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And when he said in John 17, 3, very narrow when he said, and this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's eternal life. There's no tolerance in those statements. There's no broad-mindedness permitted in those statements. When it comes to getting to heaven, there's no tolerance. There's no broad-mindedness. There's no tolerance and broad-mindedness in athletics. In athletics, there's only one winner. There's no broad-mindedness when it comes to who won the competition. There's no tolerance or broad-mindedness in the area of chemistry. A molecule of water is made up of two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom, and there is no room for tolerance or broad-mindedness there if you want to have a water molecule. There's no tolerance or broad-mindedness in the area of mathematics. The square root of four is two. There's no room for broad-mindedness on that issue of what the square root of four is. And that right, Scott. There's no broad-mindedness or tolerance in biology. There are four nucleotides that make up our DNA, that make up DNA. There is no tolerance, no broad-mindedness for the number of nucleotides or the molecular structure of those nucleotides. That's it. And that upset the baby, and I'm sorry. <laughs> she thought there was. Anyway, <laughs> so if in the laws of the physical world, these things are absolute, there's no room for tolerance, there's no room for broad-mindedness, what must it be like in the laws of the spiritual world? There's no room for tolerance there either. There's no room for broad-mindedness for how you get to heaven. So the natural question is, with all this narrowness of, and this unpopular way, is it worth it? Is it worth it? All this narrowness, all this, 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 this straightness, all this aloneness, is it worth it? And the Lord answers that question with the ultimate description of the narrow way and the non-popular way and the way that goes against the crowd and the way that is, it is by this decisive statement when he says, it leads to life. It leadeth to life. That is the straight, is the gate straight? Yes. Is it narrow? Yes. Because it's a straight gate, narrows the way, but it leads to life. It leads to life. It's the only way that leads to life. Is it worth it? Yes. Life's worth it. So Ruth, tell me, was it really worth it to go through this straight gate in this narrow way, coming back to Israel? And Ruth would say, yes, for one reason, it led to life. Was it worth it? Yes, because the broad way and the wide, the wide gate back to Moab, that led to destruction. But when I took the hard way, the narrow gate, the, the, the straight gate and the, and the narrow way, that led to life. And that's our testimony also as believers. 
Yeah, we went through this way. Why? Because we found life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Worth it. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.